Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Lots and lots coming up in today's show. We'll be talking about the dreadful Dallas Cowboys, a resurgent Mitch Trubisky. Oh, I feel sick with myself that I even mentioned that. Uh, uh, we'll also talk about a head coach firing and what else? Oh, we'll break down the rest of week 14 in the NFL. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Ollie Hunter in the studio, and with me, thankfully, yes, is uh, Matthew Sherry, editor of Gridiron Magazine, Gridiron Hyper Magazine, uh, on the old interweb, and Willie Gavin. Hey, Willie. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Willie. All good. Willie. Willie. I mean, that, uh, that might be the loudest Sherry's ever been, and that is really saying something. Yeah, isn't well, it? Oh, that really, really is. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, all good, all good. Uh, lots to uh, for us to dig into. So, should we just crack on and talk about football? Yeah, let's do it. Hate to be boring, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get on with it. Get on with it. Let's start uh, with because it happened after we recorded uh, during this week. But the Carolina Panthers now no longer have a head coach. Ron Rivera fired after nine years. Um, I, it feels like it was the right time to go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those where, in reality, it makes sense for both parties. I think Ron Rivera is a really good coach. You know, he's won Coach of the Year twice for a reason. Um, his record is propped up a little bit by two really good seasons. Um, if you actually look at it in, in actuality, there were three years where he has had winning seasons in nine, I think. So it's it's not like there's been the year-to-year consistency, but I think similar to what we were saying with Mike Tomlin last week, the grass isn't necessarily always greener. However, the only thing I would say in this case is it's a new regime in Dave Tepper. I like a lot of the things that he's got to say, you know, about finding somebody with old school qualities, but also a willingness to, to kind of adopt new school analytics and things like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, everybody should be looking for that, but I'm not convinced they always are. Um, and and Tepper gave it time, didn't he? You know, he he gave it time with Rivera just to feel it out. It's not like he went in and made that knee-jerk decision. And, and I just think ultimately things get a little stale in life. I mean, that's natural. Um, you look at Maurizio Pochettino at Tottenham, for example, a great coach, but it got a little bit stale. So Tottenham going a new direction. I think that's similar to what's happening here in Carolina. And and yeah, I think it's one that ultimately. The next team who gets Rivera, which will probably happen in the next couple of months, will get a better coach than he's maybe been this year. And Carolina are able to move in a new direction under a, a new owner. And, and I think there's optimism for both parties. And look, we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about what we're seeing out of Matt Nagy and the Bears over the last few weeks momentarily. But when you are known for one side of the ball, particularly when you come in as a defensive 
minded coach or an offensive minded coach, you're going to be judged on how good you are on that side of the ball. And Carolina, during this poor run of what is it, five straight defeats, have not looked good on the defensive side of the ball. They've clearly got talent there, but scheming wise, it's not working. The defense isn't clicking. And I'm not saying that Ron Rivera isn't someone who can go and have success somewhere else. I, I agree with you. Sometimes things do just get a little stale. The turnover isn't there. But when you consider the qualities that they have in Carolina, it does feel like it started to slip off in a way the way you'd put it on the coaching. I do think with Tepper, like you've got this kind of list of, of owners now who the, 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 the owners who are willing to be a bit more, be a bit more front and center. You think like, I mean, Jim Irsay, maybe not always for the best Jerry Jones. And I'm not suggesting he's going to be like, I want to be the GM level uh, necessarily, but like, Arthur Blank, those kind of owners who are very willing to be front and center, who are willing to do a lot of media work, who are willing to you know, be a figurehead within the organization and not just be someone in the background controlling things. And I think I'm getting the impression Tepper's one of those people. I'm, I'm with you that I like what he was saying. I do feel like it's just common sense what he's saying, though. I do think like that should be what every NFL team is looking yeah. for, a balance of good hard coaching but with a willingness to accept that the world has moved on and it's amazing how many teams look for one or the other yeah it's insane actually i mean you know highly successful billionaires who have obviously achieved huge things in other facets of the life it feels like when they get older in nfl team at times it's throw all of the processes that have got them to where they are out of the window and become almost super fans running teams at times. I think, Will, the point you made on on the defence, fascinating and really interesting. The reality is, you know, we talk all the time about uh, Frank Reich and Doug Peterson in Philly and how much of a loss he was. Well, that defence has never really looked the same since Sean McDermott left and we're seeing what he's doing now in Buffalo. And, and at times, a, a head coach really is only as good as his coordinators. I mean, McDermott was there pretty much the whole time with up until 2016. And during that period, Carolina had consistently a top five defence. So, yeah, I mean, and obviously I think it was, was it Steve Wilkes who was there for just one season and did a reasonable job as well? Um, but but still a drop off from what we saw from McDermott. So I think I think if you're tracing back, almost where did it go wrong a little bit? Then I think that that McDermott hire by the Bills is, and the front office. You know the the Bills GM is a guy who went over from Carolina as well. So I think you know it's very difficult when you start to have success in the NFL to keep it together, and that's why we don't really outside of the period see dynasties in this modern era. And it's I suppose it's very difficult for. A, a head coach, especially, I, I guess, if he's defensively minded, that your quarterback in Cam Newton is seemingly injured at least every other season. Most recently, the latter part of his career, it's been every season that he he comes out of either part of it or all of it with injury. And his future is up in the air at the end of this season. It was before Rivera left, and you'd imagine even more so now. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Newton debate is fascinating. I mean, for me, it, it it really is dependent on who the head coach is and what he thinks of Cam Newton. I mean, I think they'll interview Greg Roman for this job because he fits a lot of a lot of the the traits that um, Tepper outlined. But I mean, if you're sitting across from Greg Roman, you want him to run an offense for for Cam Newton. I mean, it, it just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So. 
you know, I, I don't think I would employ Greg Roman if I had, I'm trying to think of another job, uh, Daniel Jones, the Giants job. I don't think that would be a Greg Roman job. So in that instance, it would be. And then, I mean, to me, the guy who really fits the profile that he outlined was was Josh McDaniels. Now, McDaniels is another guy who I think it, it would be interesting to have that conversation with him in terms of what he wants in a quarterback, because this is a guy who, who drafted Tim Tebow and, and apparently was banging the table for the Patriots to draft Lamar Jackson as well. So so maybe McDaniels in, in his evolution as a head coach sees that kind of offense as, as what he wants to do and how he wants to build it. So, yeah, I mean, the Newton question is an interesting one because I think $18 million, I think Will said earlier on, was his was his cap number. That's appealing for a trade partner on a one-year deal. That is appealing. They will get trade value for him. But I think that question waits now until we find out who the head coach is. I, I think they were, they were all valid points that were made. I do think that, as we've talked about a lot before, the quarterback, the, this offseason with quarterbacks is going to be one where there's going to be a lot of guys available between either free agency or the draft, a lot more so than we'd normally see in a season. So do we see a situation where there isn't a trade partner available and then the head coach, you come in, you want to be somebody who could work with Cam Newton or not? Do you, I think there would be suicide as an organisation to go next year. Cam Newton's our guy, regardless. I think you should be looking at both what you've got in the building already, but also who's in the draft where you're available if there's somebody who you like who tumbles uh, who's available in free agency you might be able to get on a reasonable deal considering the situation uh, with the availability of quarterbacks that, that could come in and complement I mean there's this kind of this forgetting that they drafted Will Greer in the th- third round this year mm. it's amazing that Kyle Allen really is still playing at this point and it does worry me about what you've got with Will Greer if they've got a third round guy who hasn't even had a shot while Kyle Allen's not looked you know like a, a franchise quarterback by any stretch of the imagination but I still think there's a lot of talent particularly on the defensive side of the ball you know you've still got Christian McCaffrey there there's a lot to like about this job it'll be one of the more appealing jobs for a head coach uh, this offseason when you think about I mean we'll talk about the moment but the Cowboys job could be up the Panthers job could be up like there could be some really good jobs available this offseason it's not like a year when it's like the Bengals and the Jags yeah yeah, you've got some some stellar franchises with recent success where suddenly things will be will be coming open. Uh, one of those definitely you'd imagine it has to be is the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football last night. They lost 31 to 24 to the Chicago Bears. The Bears looking pr- actually pretty good and the Cowboys just dreadful Matt Sherry. Yeah, I mean uh, the level the level to which those the, the Cowboys and the Eagles have declined concurrently in the last few weeks is 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 astonishing. I mean, I, I can't think of of an example like it where two teams who, on paper, we would look at as incredibly talented, um, that the Cowboys more so than the Eagles, but the Eagles certainly defensively have a lot of talent. They have a guy in Carson Wentz who, you know, just two years ago was seen as the future of the league in the same way that Pat Mahomes is right now or. Lamar Jackson. And then there's the Cowboys where, you know, even three weeks ago, you looked at those teams and you thought, well, they haven't had an amazing start of the season, but if they can catch fire at the end of the year, these are teams that we think can go on deep playoff runs. And now we're looking at a scenario where, you know, they're, they're both going to be sub 500. There's a chance that seven and nine wins that division because of the, the caliber of teams they're losing against as well, particularly the Eagles. I mean, giving up a 14 point lead to the Dolphins, it's, it's absolutely insane, isn't it? And, and and I think the whole show surrounding Jerry Jones 
hasn't helped the Cowboys. And Jason Garrett now is a man reacting to everything that happened the previous week, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. he had the guys, he had the team practicing outdoors this week. He never did it ahead of New England. It's like everyone's pointing out his mistakes and he's trying to to swim against the tide. It's It's been a long-term problem that has, that has really hit a crescendo this year. And um, it's, it, it's going to be... It's, uh, I think it's really interesting on that point that Jerry Jones almost feels like, you know, I think if he felt like one of those guys sitting in there, whether it was Rashad, whether it was Keller Moore, uh, whether it was even Rob Marinelli was worthy of stepping up on an interim basis and might win them a playoff game or two, that he'd have made a change already. But it's quite clear. And actually, I look at this game last night and as much as we want to call out Jason Garrett for all of his problems he has had with the the head coaching stuff, the time management, the overall game plan, those elements of things, there were real faults on both sides of the ball last night. Yeah. There were real problems defensively. That take that inception was their first in five games for for a defense as talented as that. That's not good enough for them to not be making any big plays. And and then on the offensive side, I mean, there were drops. There was line problems. After Zeke Kelly had that big run, they they really didn't get him properly going again. Dak Prescott, I thought, had his worst game of the season in a season where he's been good. Like I, I you know, I'm not as big on Dak as some people. I think he's a, re- he's a good quarterback, but I, I don't put him up in that top echelon at the moment. But that was for him on this season, his worst game, you know, missing open guys on third downs when there was your pickups available. And it's frustrating because you think somebody has to step up and make a play because the coaching's not doing it for you. Whereas on the other side of the ball, suddenly you've got Mitch Trubisky getting coached up to look like a really good quarterback the last three weeks. And I personally think it's the nightmare situation for the Bears and their fans because suddenly you're like, oh, maybe Mitch Trubisky is our choice going forward. He's beaten the Lions, the Giants, and a very underperforming Cowboys defense. And he's done it by suddenly Nagy realized, remembered what he did in 2018 and could scheme him into a good quarterback. And I think Nagy's probably talked himself into keeping the job over recent weeks, but I'm slightly worried Trubisky has as well. And I don't think that's actually the way the Bears need to go forward. If they're going to, they, they might be a consistent playoff team with a defense that good and with a quarterback who can be, you know, in the way it is with, uh, in the way that it kind of was with Blake Bortles almost for that run, where you do exactly you can have Bortles. someone do enough. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've called him Bortles North for a while and been dug out by Bears fans. But Bortles, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, how many times have we seen those guys put together three, four game stretches at the end of the season and it convinces the decision makers who drafted them in the first place and, and really are willing them to be successful to stick with them again against the historical evidence of guys like that and their own better judgment. And that is what will happen to the Bears. It might be what happens with the Vikings, with Kirk Cousins, albeit Cousins is a better quarterback than all of the guys I've just mentioned in in a couple of years, well, in a year and a bit's time when his three-year contract expires. And and, and really, I, I think, truthfully, that is the worst position for your franchise to be in. That quarterback purgatory of having a guy who is okay but not good enough and and will show flashes of Megan steps and then regress back and there are so many I mean that is what I would say 70% of the quarterbacks in the NFL are and it's it's a very frustrating place to be as a fan of a team I'm delighted guess what? By it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch you carry on playing well buddy in these games that don't matter when your team are almost entirely out of the playoff race keep on going pal 
and, and and guess what? These head coaches are egotistical enough to believe that they're the one that can fix him. So, yeah. uh, I, 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 and I then the cycle rumbles on. I, I I did enjoy. I decided to look it, and I I, I googled. I just googled Mitch Trubisky just to get a general flavour of what the uh, of, of of Google News of what the articles were saying. And it was all continues upward curve, looks better game after game. Wow. And you just think, nope, not for me, thank you. They might actually make the playoffs at this point, depending on what happens with nah, those teams Rams in and around the sixth seed. Yeah, and they've got a tough, tough schedule in the run-in as well. They're playing both the Vikings and the Packers. But how funny would it be if they did make the playoffs and then lose in the first round? They're, they're, they're becoming the Andy Dalton Bengals, and they won't realise until far too late that that's never going to win them a Super Bowl. That what? should be the aim for teams. We want to win a Super Bowl, not we want to be good enough to be good every year. We don't want to be yeah. Arsenal finishing yeah. fourth every season. Well, that, that's, that's We're the looking for a championship. The, the great thing about the NFL is there isn't there isn't a second place in the NFL, and that's why it's different to, like like you say, the Premier League where you've got that carrot of the Champions League in the top four. The NFL, if you're not competing for Super Bowls, you need to start again, and that sometimes means blow it up completely, which is something... We we chatted about with Carolina. Interesting to see what they do now in that on that front. Do they blow it up completely, or do they try and do kind of that that half a rebuild almost? And and it's a tough question that there's there's no easy answer to. And that the reason for that is that there's a finite number of of really great Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks around, and it's very rare that you can win without one of those guys. The very very last thing I want to say on last night was poor Troy Aikman. In that last quarter, he was so desperately trying to justify anything. He started talking about the Bears as if they were a Super Bowl contender, almost as if just to justify how badly the Cowboys had played. You, I, I just, I felt sorry for him on really? the broadcast because he's obviously still, <sighs> he's obviously still such a fan that. Yeah, even when it's the Cowboys, even when it's a team that I traditionally am not a huge fan of, Oli, I still don't like to see poor poor people having their hearts broken. It felt like he was having his heart, bro- heart broken constantly last night. And I'll tell you what, though, in terms of the NFL offseason, a fundamentally desperate Jerry Jones, who hasn't won a Super Bowl for you know nearly three decades, is closing in on his 80th birthday and is looking for his head coach, a new head coach, for the first time in in what a decade. That could be an interesting off season. Because I, I wouldn't rule out Jerry Jones making a huge play at a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer. Yeah. You know, I, I I think that him more than any other owner is capable of like properly ruffling some feathers in the off season and, and trying to make moves that, that other owners wouldn't even consider, especially at this stage of his life when he's completely desperate. And it, I mean, that would be awesome. And, and appealing as well. You know, if any job in the NFL is going to lure Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or anybody like that to the NFL, it's the Dallas Cowboys job. So yeah, watch that space. Quickly, very quickly, before we get into looking at uh, the best games of Week 14 and then glossing over some of the really terrible games in Week 14, <laughs> you mentioned Troy Aikman there and him with, um, what's the other guy? Something Buck. Um, Joe, Joe Buck. Joe Buck. They are, for me, the second worst team that calls games in the NFL. I can't, it, it, it's, I get, I'm so over Buck's delivery. I, I don't think Aikman really deli- offers much other than the ESPN guys. Those guys, I, I, I despair when I have to hear them on, on the game call. Mm. It's a, I think there should be that uh, Fox and some of, and ESPN needs to be looking at their lineups 
come Black Monday or whenever it will be or, or the end of the season because there are there are an, an awful lot of uh, calling teams that I just I struggle to listen to. I think if you're doing a prime time rankings, that's fair. I'm I'm not going to say they're better than you know the Fox fourth string team on a Sunday afternoon oh, who's yeah. doing Jags Bucks for the uh, for the national broadcast. But if you're talking about specifically Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and Romo in the nine twenty five slot, then yeah, okay, fine, they're the second worst. But I think there are a lot. I, I don't think I I don't hate Buck and Aikman. I actually quite like Joe Buck. Actually, I but, mean, um, I think I think the 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 one who the ones who should be elevated. To, to that echelon, uh, uh, Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis, who were very good. Yeah, yeah. They were so good. I, they were doing Ram uh, Ravens 49ers last week, and it was the first time I'd watched a game in the six o'clock window without even having Red Zone on in about five years, and then watched Red Zone back. And when you're hearing them constantly, not just doing the big moments, um, they're great. Really, really good. So yeah. that's a great yeah. call. Yeah, and some of the guys on the radio... Um... Troy Aikman and, uh, not Troy Aikman, Kevin Kugler and uh, Tony Baselli, when they're together, I think it's Thursday Night Football and Westwood One, they're really good. But, you, you know, it's different doing radio to, to TV, as we all very well know. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Right, um, there are some really, really good games in across the AFC and the NFC in Week 14. Let's start at the Superdome, uh, where the 49ers go to the New Orleans Saints. I said in the show earlier on in the week that I thought the Saints could upset them. However, on the Picks Challenge on Gridiron Hyper Magazine, I've taken the 49ers. Well, I mean, that wouldn't be the upset, would it? Because I think the Saints are favoured to win the game. What? Yeah, I mean, it's at the Superdome, isn't it? So Yeah, I suppose. New Orleans. The, boy, the, the, the Saints are two and a half point yeah. favourites. Yeah. Okay, so they're below the three-point line, which is kind of the coin flip home team. Yeah. We're going to give it to them. Um, well, it suggests on a neutral field that the 49ers would be 0.5 point favourites. Yeah, which I think is, is I, I think the way that this matches up, the 49ers should be looking to win this weekend. We talked about it a bit previously, but I think their outside zone run scheme against the the depleted linebacking core, I mean, they've had to sign Manti Teo. That's the situation the Saints are in in that position. I think matches up quite well. I also think that the, the Saints' pass defence, they need to get healthy considering where they've been previously. I know last weekend against... The Falcons, Cam Jordan had himself a massive day and has been brilliant all season. But actually on the back end, they've they've fallen off from where they were the first seven, eight weeks of the season. So I think that side of the ball matches up really nicely. The the kind of matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is how they use Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara against the 49ers defense. Breeze is going to have to get the ball out nice and quickly, which he can do. But Kamara has just been nowhere near as much of a weapon this year as he was last year in the passing game and, and hasn't been used anywhere near the same amount or been as elusive when he has been used. I, don't get me wrong, I still think he's a great back, but 
I'm trying to work out whether it's the, the lack of the compliment of Mark Ingram means they're having to use him more as just a straight up back, whether it's, you know, the, the, the setup and the scheme. I think I, I, I saw his um, in the kind of NFL stats thing they do for these games. I saw that his yards per completion have gone down from over 10 last season to just over six this season. So it's just not being used in those big play ways in the same way. And, and I think the 49ers defense should have the better of Drew Brees on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I've just placed a bet now. So I've had a bit of success the last few weeks betting, but only I've, I've kind of avoided it when I don't have anything that I love. So I'm just betting a little bit more money on, on other things. I've gone for the 49ers plus 2.5 points and less than 44.5 in the game, which reflects, you know, I, I think the 49ers will win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, 17 to 7 49ers kind of deal you know I can just see it being a really low scoring game but I, th- I just think the 49ers are a better team um, and and the lack of healthy linebackers for the Saints is a concern against a you know a stretch run team who are very good at getting to the next level as well so for me a lot of the matchups favour the 49ers and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they'll win the game Kittle being back since he came back from um, f- from that injury against the Packers, it's kind of it it halted their slump, the 49ers' mini slump, and um, I think he's been brilliant. And it, it, you said against those those stand-in linebackers, that's where you'd expect him to make absolute hay, and he'll make it down the field, further down the field as a deeper threat as well, like yards after the catch. He's been brilliant this year, and the run blocking as well. How yeah, many players exactly. have you seen since he came back? Where you know, we saw it against the Ravens a couple of times where they're springing free down the right sideline and Kittle has made the key block to open the hole up. I mean, he's just such a valuable, valuable weapon. And, you know, Will's enjoying what I got to enjoy for many years with Gronkowski, that real game changer who can do both. I mean, you do not get many tight ends who can do both to that level. Simple as that. I mean, you know, Gronk is a revolutionary player because of how good he was at both. And Kittle is, is Gronk light for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Actually, I've I've checked back on my my gridiron pick uh, pick challenge selections. I've taken the Forty ers I'm going to stick with it. Go on the Forty ers <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it gets real sticky for San Francisco if they don't win this game. I mean, you might as well book them into the fifth seed now at that point. Um, so it's it's also a little bit of a desperation moment as well for them. Not sure that's um, accurate. Really, you think the Seahawks are going to lose three more uh, times over the uh, next four well, weeks? They wouldn't they? They'd lose two, wouldn't they? That's the play, you guys. Yeah, so they'd need to lose two, including us. But then I, well, I'd, I'd need to. The problem is we'd be losing to an NFC team, so it then becomes the tiebreakers get down into like the third, fourth, fifth tiebreaker, and what those are. I'm fairly certain. I'm fairly certain you have the win on the tiebreakers. I'm not so. I'm not so sure, but I'd need to double check it. So uh, I will leave that. Leave that with me, and I will double check <laughs> and see how it affects it uh, going forward. Um, I also think the Seahawks will lose this week, which we'll get onto later on. Well, yeah, we'll get onto that because uh, in the six o'clock window there is that Forty Nine ers Saints game, but there's also another rip roaring, barn barnstorming, rip snorting game in the Ravens going to the Bills. This looks like on paper is a really fun game to to look at and uh, come six o'clock flipping between that and the 49ers saints game brilliant 
We, we just talked about um, in a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, a guy who's had a good three-game stretch, but against teams that you would hope that he would have a good uh, three-game stretch against. You've got something similar out of Josh Allen. He's just come off his best game, but like we talked about earlier in the week, it was his best game. The first time, really, he's been on that primetime stage. And, and the other two are against the Broncos at home, you know, there's talent on that defense, but it's not an easy place to go. And against the Dolphins. So this is for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he stands up to actually a, a decent playmaking defense. And then obviously it's always fun watching Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's no coincidence that the two games that you're referencing there for Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky are against the same defense, mm. is it? You know what I mean? So, and, and I think we will learn a huge amount about just where Josh Allen is as a young passer in this game, you know, they're at home. These are the kind of games that you'd really like to win because it's against a really good team, but you are at home. You're not going to face the Ravens at home in the playoffs, but it'd be great to get a win in this one. This more than the Dallas game, especially with how Dallas are looking, would be the statement that the Bills need to tell people, look, we aren't just a playoff team. We are a serious, serious contender for the Super Bowl. So I think, you know, there's a lot on the line for Baltimore with that number one seed and the fact that, um, that they're now trying to retain that. Um, but for the Bills, this is like this is one of the biggest games the Bills have had since those teams in the early nineties, if not the biggest. You know, I'm thinking outside of the game a couple of years ago when they ended that long playoff drought. This is a really big one for the Bills, and and going to be fascinating because I think this will give us a lot of kind of data on them to to move forward with as we get towards the playoffs. This game is so huge that it puts down a marker and really puts pressure on the New England Patriots. If the Bills win it, they move to 10-3. and three. That means if the Patriots then lose to the Chiefs later on, it, there's this big old showdown between the Bills and the Patriots in Foxborough in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, it's ma- exactly. It is absolutely gargantuan for the Bills. I'm... I'm uh, it's, it's a... Despite... Um, uh, Alexander in 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 as a, as a linebacker, <laughs> they're quite a young team. So I wonder will that expectation and that pressure weigh on them, especially as they're going up against the red hat Baltimore Ravens. But if they do manage to get the win, all Sauron's gaze then turns on to <laughs> oh, turns on Absolutely. to Foxborough, doesn't it? And, uh, and that and game becomes it, even what, bigger. Uh, yeah, I almost wanted to happen because. Just imagine how big that game becomes, that Patriots Bills game. It could, I need to check this out, but I think, would it be? No, it wouldn't. I was going to say it could be Brady's last ever game in Foxborough. I think they play the Dolphins in week 17 at home. So it wouldn't be that. But it could be like end of dynasty type game, or, or, you know, that knife edge between the two, where you have this young team who come and knock the established order off their perch and win the division mm-hmm. for the first time with Brady and Belichick since both with Brady playing the whole season since 2002 and yeah I mean in terms of storylines you know the Patriots fan in me is a bit terrified by that but the journalist in me just absolutely loves that storyline so it will be interesting to to see it I mean this is the kind of week where we we forget red zone and we, we multi-screen two games at 6pm, isn't it? Because I think these two are, yeah. are just set up to be to be so good. And and, and I think the key for the, the Bills is that their defence is so fundamentally sound and that is ultimately what you need to be against this against this Ravens team. And and I think that the, the little downturn they had in the middle of the season, you know, I've said I'd, 
I'm a big fan of Matt Milano, the linebacker, and I think he is such a crucial piece of that defense. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that as he's got healthy again, that the defense has improved. And get, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, very, that, I'm re- <laughs> very, very quickly. Sorry, sorry, ready. Very, very quickly. And if the Bills win. That gives them, I think it gives them the tiebreak over the Ravens, who they'd ben- then be at both 10 and 3. If they both win out, they would have that tiebreak. The Bills would have home field advantage. That's but that's nuts. only if they win the division, isn't it? Yeah, but if, they, but if, they, if they win out, and they would win out, yeah. then they would win the division because they would then beat the Patriots. So it's it's yeah, but then it wouldn't necessarily. That's only if the Patriots lose to the Chiefs because they would have the same record that's true. as the Bills with that, wins against each other. But in the overall tiebreaker standings, their win over the Ravens, who the Patriots lost to, might just give them the edge. That's what I'm saying. It's incredible. It is massive. Willie, go ahead. I'm sorry. First thing to confirm is that if the 49ers did lose to the Saints this weekend, it would hand the Seahawks the uh, the tiebreaker um, over them. So that would be the difference. I think on con- on conference record of the ESPN playoff predictor is to be believed. So it is absolutely huge. On the Bills side of things, I'm really intrigued to see how they set up for this game because the one thing they do lack as, as fundamentally sound as they've been is kind of pure great edge rushers, pure great pass rushers. We obviously saw that's what the 49ers tried to do last week and it didn't work. So do they run contain and a spy and just go, fine, throw the ball 30 times and we'll see if you can beat us to Lamar Jackson. And does that even work? Have you got a fundamentally sound defense enough to try and play uh, contain on the edges, try and set the edge, try and play with a spy and can that do enough to make him throw it or will he still make plays with his legs? So I, I, this is the, the, the coaching duel here is really exciting for me. Yeah. And I mean, for me, the, the Ravens number one aim is stop Mark Ingram. And I know everybody is looking at Lamar Jackson, but the amount of times that Ingram gets them into second and four, it's basically every time they run the ball on first down. And from that point on, you may as well just let them get the first down because you're not going to stop them, especially with how willing they are to go for it on fourth down. So for me, it's first down defence is massive against the Ravens. And I'm I'm yet to see a team who can do it and there might not be one. That's but they you know, the Bills are one of the few teams who we think have the potential to. The the rest of the six o'clock windows, by the way, games by the way some of these games might be important if something amazing happens, like the Broncos winning in Houston or the Packers losing or something like that. But on paper, there's none of them worth necessarily going in depth on. So should we no. skip to the later games? Um, yeah, 100%. All right. Chiefs Patriots. I'll leave Matt Sherry to go. <laughs> yeah. Shall I? <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll just say this. The I've read this stat earlier. The Bill Belichick, Belichick uh, Patriots have only given up 40 points to a team seven times in 20 years. Three of those have been to Andy Reid's Chiefs. So if there's a team that are designed to beat this Patriots defense, this is the one. It's just whether or not it'll happen, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, what Reid's great at is is scheming the matchups. And there's matchups to be had. I said that last week, you know. I'd expect them to throw often, as often as they can to the running backs. Um, tight end is a problem against teams who don't have a great tight end but I fully expect the Patriots to put Gilmore on Kelsey and, and John Jones on Tyreek Hill with safety help over the top so if they do that then I, I think Gilmore will, will nullify Kelsey um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the game. I'm fascinated by whether a week of actually practising makes this Patriots offence look better. I'm fascinated by whether Mohamed Sanu can get healthy because I really believe he is the key to unlocking this offence. But, I mean, watching back the game last week, he doesn't even look 20% healthy in terms of the way he's run, running his routes. Um, so I'm not sure he will be that healthy this week. It's just an interesting game. How much did the illnesses affect the Patriots' defence last week? I think we get an answer to that question as well. I, I personally think the Chiefs will win, not because I don't think the Patriots are a good team. I just think this is a very, very good time for the Chiefs to play them. And I think that as much as it's at Foxborough and as much as the Patriots haven't lost at home since I think Carolina beat them two years ago, two and a half years ago... Um, I think they're vulnerable this week. Uh, more vulnerable than I think they'll be come playoff time. Or certainly, I hope they'll be come playoff time. But yeah, I've, I've just got a feeling the Chiefs are going to win this week. Patrick Mahomes was quite quiet last week. Uh, just one touchdown through the air, another one with his feet. But it seems like week on week, he's getting more and more healthy, more and more over that mid-season injury that he picked up. Um, wasn't it like a, 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 a mini-torn ligament somewhere? Anyway... Um, I expect him to and Andy Reid to almost let him loose on Sunday and, and really go for it. It was quite a quiet day from the supporting receiving cast as well. Um, outside of the, of the two main guys, Sammy Watkins was was barely barely noticed. So the Chiefs like to get their backup tight ends involved. Those other receivers like to use the running backs out of the backfield which they haven't been they didn't need to do against the Raiders so they didn't give too much away it's really exciting this Chiefs offense going up against this Patriots defense Willie I think the Patriots have faced one good offence all season, one really good offence. Not talented, because we know the Cowboys are talented, for example. But they've faced one good offence this season, and they got beaten by the Ravens. It's how... Uh, it, I think uh, the Texans. I think the Texans is a good offense when everyone tells you. Yeah, no, you yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Last but they lost to them as well. So yeah, so there you go. <laughs> they, faced, they, they faced two good offenses, and those are their two losses. Um, I I do believe in this Patriots defense. I don't think they are some kind of paper tiger because they've got these. They've racked up these incredible stats against uh, bad teams. Because I still think that they're like we've talked a lot about their defensive back group. I think that's the best in the NFL right now. I think that they they've got some impact young guys coming through. They are all the things we said about the Bills being fundamentally sound. So I I don't think they are false, but. You could get to the end of this weekend and it'd be like, well, they've faced three good offenses and they've lost three games. So is that going to be their undoing come playoff time? I'm, I'm actually with Sherry. I have taken the Chiefs in this one, but no, normally when I bet against the Patriots, it comes back to bite me in the backside. Uh, I mean, so that's mate... the thing at the back of my <laughs> mind is whenever I've seen the Patriots in this kind of game where you really start to have the doubts, they generally roar out of the blocks and just dominate. I, I just don't think they're there yet. I mean, I just don't think, you know, everyone will talk about that. Bengals game, they had a, they were able to reintegrate a healthy Rob Gronkowski in that game after they lost to the Chiefs in the 14 season. That's what I've seen a lot of Patriots fans referencing is the last time there was one of those big home games where everybody would written them off. Well, you know, Rob Gronkowski barely played any snaps against the Chiefs, brought him in. I mean, they, Rob Gronkowski ain't coming back to fix the current situation. So I just think with where Sanu's health is, I just I can see them being a lot better come the playoffs, but I just think this is a great week for the Chiefs to get them. And, and frankly, if the Chiefs don't beat them this week, then I would cast doubts over whether they can beat them at all. 
in the playoffs, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, considering that Monday Night Football is Giants as Eagles, I think there's probably only two more games that we need to desperately talk about this weekend. Sunday Night Football, but also Titans at Raiders. The seven and five Tennessee Titans going to face the six and six Raiders. When we're looking at the AFC wildcard picture, is an absolutely huge game. And actually, of course, the AFC South is is still very much up for grabs for this uh, for this Titans team. I, yeah, it's very difficult to not say that I've liked what I've seen from the Titans recently. Um, the two teams trending in a very different direction, considering what we'd seen from the Raiders earlier this year. Is anyone backing the Raiders at home to get a win over a hot team? I don't think uh, I no. am. No, look, I, since Ryan Tannehill's come in, uh, it was earlier on in the season, but out of the last six games, they've won five of them. And Tannehill's looked great. He looked really good against the Jags. He looked very good against the Colts. They've been in, Included in that is a win versus the Chiefs. A, a weird loss against the Panthers, but... Tannehill's looked really good, and when you've got a good quarterback going up against a bad defense or a talent-poor defense in the Raiders, I know that the Raiders are at home and and they've got that place rocking and they've they've managed to pick up some some wins there at the Coliseum, but or the Oco, sorry, but I've I've, I've got a feeling about this Titans team, which are good across the board. They've got good receivers. They've got a good running back. They've got a good quarterback. They've got a really good defense. That secondary is excellent as well. And Derek Carr seems to have fallen even further off of the cliff that we'd already thought he'd fallen off of. So the Titans for me all the way. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it would be the, the only caveat is it will be very Ryan Tannehill yeah. to get to this point. And then just have a stinker of a game. Um, so I wouldn't rule that out. I, I, I think that the, the the best thing that could possibly have happened to these Raiders is what's happened the last two weeks, which is the evidence that they can only go so far. Similar to the conversation that we were having earlier on on quarterbacks with Derek Carr, and I don't think Gruden's in love with them. I think that we'll look to move at the quarterback position in the off season, especially because of what's happened in the last fortnight. And I think that'll continue. Like to me, I look at this game and I would say there is one good, very good to great unit in this game. And it's the Titans defense. Now I think that carries them through enough to win. Tannehill has been really good. Don't get me wrong. Their running game looks great. And all of those things are complementing each other really nicely. But the thing that's winning Tennessee football games is their defence, which is really, really good. You know, they've got a very, very good defensive coordinator in Dean Peace, an experienced one. And yeah, I just think ultimately that, that'll win the day. Should we talk about Sunday night football before we get out of here? Yeah. Absolutely, mate. Go on the Rams. But well, yeah. <laughs> so before the Rams won last weekend in, uh, in relatively convincing fashion, um, uh, it, it was convincing in terms of scoreline. And I just think that the Cardinals got uh, down early and didn't know how to react to it from a coaching perspective. What a shock. Before that, I was kind of dreading this game on Sunday night. Seahawks going on the road to Los Angeles. It's not the most intimidating of atmospheres in Los Angeles. Uh, obviously, as I said, I, I, you know, I need somebody to beat the Seahawks before week 17, ideally, please. And thank you. And if it can be a divisional rival, then even better. Um, I don't know. Matt Sherry earlier made the claim that he thinks they're going to lose this week. So what suggests to you that this team that seemed to pull it out 
any time with their backs against the wall, aren't going to do it on Sunday night. I just think in the first matchup, I mean, you, you know, another element that we haven't discussed on the Seahawks is they're essentially two missed field goals away from having two more defeats and two less wins, you know. You, the, the I mean, I've, the I've been talking about that on Twitter all week, mate. But no have, you spoke, have you spoken about <laughs> it in terms of the Rams as well? Because their line obviously misses a kick that he definitely should make in that first game. Now, uh, that first game, the, the only... I feel like I'm caveating everything I say, but the only thing I would say against this is, as I've said a few times, I do think Quandre Diggs has made a huge difference to Seattle's defence, but I just watched the way McVeigh moved the chess pieces around in that first game and really took advantage of that Seahawks defence and think that he will be able to do it again. And and I don't think Russell Wilson and the offences, the running game's playing better than it was then but Wilson himself in the passing game you know Tyler Lockett's production has dipped significantly the last two weeks you have to think that's related to the injury that he picked up against the 49ers mm. I think that's I think the offense runs through Tyler Lockett or certainly the passing game does well let's not so, forget in that Rams game he had one of the catches of the season for that yeah. touchdown and, in the back corner of the end zone if you want to talk about you know of outside of his well. pure production yeah absolutely but outside of his brilliant production if you want to talk about that kind of impact on that game in particular, it was ridiculous. And, and I and just you, think the other element is the Rams are a very talented, well-coached, desperate team. They have to win this game. Otherwise, they've got basically no chance of making the playoffs. And and that is a, against a team who really have already made the playoffs now. And even if they lose this game, can still you know be a top two seed, potentially a number one seed. I just have a feeling the Rams, because of that desperation, will, will get the job done and win. I mean, it would be fantastic for the conference and the division overall because it would mean that you go into those Week 17 games with 49ers at Seahawks, meaning a huge amount. I mean, there is a situation where if the Seahawks win out to that game and the 49ers do lose again, the Seahawks can lose that game and actually still qualify. But so, is, that de- is that definitely true? Uh, it's uh, Let me get it up. I can... Uh, I know that there's, yeah, that's what I've just said. That's I've just gone through it and I figured it out. Yeah, they could lose and still and still qualify if the 49ers lose to the Saints this weekend. Oh, well, yeah, well, I, I want the Rams to win then. Because that Week 17 game has the potential to be... Yeah, how often do <laughs> yeah. you have a Week 17 with no game, right? Nothing riding on any of the games? Like, plus, I plus want that got... game. Rams Cardinals is it will suddenly be an interesting game if they're in a, with a shot for the wild card as well. That adds a game. I know this. You know the games where there's one team in it. If it's a because divi- this is the joy of having the divisional games on week 17. The Cardinals knowing the Rams need to win to get into the playoffs will make them play harder in week 17 and will give them that extra impetus. Mm. You do also have uh, on week 17 Texans Titans. So yeah. we you know. Ravens Steelers as well. If the Steelers are still in the wild card mix and the Ravens are still in the, the number one mix, there's three or four games. But that Seahawks 49ers game absolutely does stand out. So for the neutral, come on, guys, get behind the Rams this weekend. And uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so desperate. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I struggle to ever pick against Seattle at home, even though their losses, I think, have both come at home this year. At They're not one at home. Definitely came at home. Yeah, they were both. They were both. At oh. Home. Right, and they're on the road, so forget they're, all of that. That's they're on the road. Ignore everything. They're on the road, buddy. Look, um, I would, I would well, have been worried. Be like a home game with the number of Seahawks fans in LA. Yeah, Am I right, guys? I mean, yeah. Without a doubt, it, it actually will. Yeah, I, I would have <laughs> been really worried about this Rams team had they not dispatched the the 
Cardinals the way that they did last week, but then how much do you read into anything going on against the Cardinals because of that game against Baltimore at home where Baltimore just completely destroyed them? But the week before, the the Rams had a pretty efficient defensive performance against a very poor Chicago game, a Chicago team. So the Rams are are really hot and cold. I don't know what to do about this game. I think I'm taking the Rams, but it's more heart overhead. I might take the Seahawks because um, I don't want to look silly on Monday. Well, you're going to wear your big Rams jersey thing that you've got, Willie. Well, no, because it's not mine. I've given it to its rightful owner now. Okay. But I can see if I can borrow it off him this weekend. No, he's, in, he's, he's got two he's, of them. So. He's actually in Scotland at the moment. So, oh, right. okay, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to be back uh, in time. But if I can, I will try and borrow it off him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wear it in the studio with pride. Uh, <laughs> nice. We've done it. We really did it. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts, guys? <laughs> do you know what? People won't know. But what you said there, we really did do it. We did it. <laughs> We should have started this recording. We could have basically recorded this podcast about three times over in the time we've been chatting today. Yeah. But we had technical problems and soup problems and yeah. there was all sorts going on. So we got it done. We got it done in time and it's going to be going out ASAP. So, uh, Ollie, any final thoughts, buddy? Uh, no, I'm going to have, I think, fish and chips from the canteen oh, downstairs. Wow. So, oh, bang. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. Bang. bang there, mate. You do that. Thanks. You go do that. I'm going to do my invoices and uh, probably have a little cry about how little money I'm going to have after Christmas. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) This has been... (laughs) Sherry, any final thoughts? Uh, Just that I feel like I need to start a charity drive for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just because I had a wedding last month, so I took too much time off. Uh, I do have a a final thought, actually. With uh, Matthew Sherry coming down next week, Oh, yeah. A little bit of maybe some restaurant recommendations in London uh, from our listeners. Anyone got a really good restaurant that we could go to? Because we went to the Chinese. I don't know whether anyone knows about that. That might be brand new information for people. And it was incredible again. Do you want to go to the Chinese again? Third time in a... I don't know. I I think... If it keeps on delivering, then you It really does. It really does. But if anyone's got any recommendations of uh, places to go in London for food, uh, hit us up at Gridiron, please. I really want to go to Shaq Foo You, so check that out online, guys, and maybe that's our option. Thanks for listening. All the usual Instagram and, and Twitter and all Foo that you, stuff. Will. Give us some love. Well, no, Thanks will. for listening. No, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to check it out. Tweet us at Gridiron, then we'll have a look. Yeah, all right. I will do. <laughs> you, will. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> this has been the Gridiron Show. <laughs> Ooh, nice snort at the end. Love that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.